evening, City Life. How you guys doing? Powerful video there and uh, amazing worship. Can we give it up for the worship team? <clears throat> Thank you, guys. <laughs> um, well, I'm really excited to be here tonight. For those of you who are looking at me like, who in the world even is this guy? I've never seen him before, and now he's on stage. Um, my name is David Godwin, and I'm the student ministries pastor here at City Life Church. So shout out to this row right here holding it down. They're like the closest row, by the way, just throwing it out there. You guys are, are killing it. Um, so, yeah, but I'm the student ministries pastor here at City Life, and, uh, and I see a lot of your kids every week, but I also just know many of you because I've been here for a while. Like your pastor, Justin, I have been here, uh, moved to Newport News when the church was planted almost 13 years ago, and, uh, and so I know many of you out there, but I love coming to Suffolk uh, because every time I come, there's always new faces that I don't know, and, and so it's just great. I love that we are indeed one church with two locations, and so it feels like, you know, just being with family tonight. So, so I'm excited for the opportunity to be with family, to preach to family, and I really feel like the, uh, that God has given me a word tonight to share with you. So I want to just jump straight into that, if you don't mind. And um, so we're going to be looking tonight at Romans chapter 8. And if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and just kind of crack that open because this will be the foundation. This will be the backdrop that we'll kind of continue to point back to throughout the night. We'll uh, look at other places in Scripture, but this is where we'll keep coming back to. And so, uh, so yeah, open your Bibles there. If not, I've got it on the screen. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 22, and it says, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. God, I pray that you would help us tonight to wait patiently. God, to wait confidently, Lord, for the things that you've promised to us as your people. Lord, we thank you for the season and, and all that uh, it means for us. Thank you for all the gifts that you've given us through uh, uh, just the, the birth of Jesus and uh, his crucifixion and our salvation uh, by faith in him, Lord. But I pray, Lord, for every person, whatever season they're in tonight, whether they know you or they don't, whether they, they've been in a, a hard season or a happy season, God, that your presence would be here. Holy Spirit, that we would uh, get to know more of you and grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I said I am the youth pastor, so I like to play games. And uh, so I want to play a game with you guys tonight. Not really a game. People are already sweating. Like, what do you mean? This is why the youth are in the front, are up front. I don't want to play any games. Not game per se, but just uh, if you could just name. It's really a question. Tell me, throw out, yell out your least favorite Christmas carol. Least favorite Joel. All of them. Somehow I knew that there was going to be some. Okay. Uh, Okay, good. What else? Somebody else. 
Yeah, Raylan. Jingle Bell Rock, Raylan. Grandma got, I like Grandma got run over by a reindeer. It's kind of funny, but yeah, crude. You're right. You're more mature than I am. Christmas shoes. I think we can just stop there. Like that is the, the winner. If you've not heard that song, don't, right? There's no need. I just, I'll spare you that time of your life that you will never get back. That is the worst song. Not the worst Christmas song, probably the worst song ever written. But, um, yeah, so at RC, we've been talking about Christmas songs. We've been talking about Christmas carols. And uh, because what I love about Christmas time, it's really cool. When you turn on the radio, you hear, like, uh, famous secular artists, people, you know, as famous as Mariah Carey or Kelly Clarkson or R. Kelly, right? All of these huge artists singing basically worship songs, right? All of these songs about Jesus, all of these songs based on scripture, and I love that. It's awesome. So uh, at RC, we've just been looking at the Christmas carols and learning how we can, uh, what we can learn about um, worship through these songs. And so because of that, I've been listening very closely to, to famous Christmas carols. I forgot to tell you, one of mine that I don't love so much, it's not that if I had a list of Christmas songs that I do not prefer, Christmas shoes would be number one, right? And then somewhere on that list would be uh, Mary, Did You Know? Anybody else? Like, it, I knew that there would be some people, you're like sentiment, the sentimental type, you love that song, but I just can't get with it for whatever reason. Uh, anytime it comes on the radio, I always just switch to the next station, right? Because it kind of bores me, if I'm being honest. But, but, hold on, it's coming. <laughs> but, I've been looking at the lyrics of Christmas carols, like I was just saying, and so I recently was just looking at that song and thinking, huh, this actually, this song is pretty powerful, and there's a lot of truth in it. Um, I like it because, you know, there are a lot of Christmas carols that teach untruths, right, that uh, put in our minds ideas that just are not biblical, right? There's the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, right? They weren't kings. We don't know that there were three, and they weren't from Orient, right, or or you know, like how we think about it. And so, um, so there's all kinds of lies that we have all believed. I blew somebody's mind just now telling you that there weren't three kings from Orient. Um, but there's all these lies, right, that we believe from these Christmas songs and assertions and assumptions that are made from people who write these Christmas songs. But what I love about Mary, Mary Did You Know Now, uh, that I looked at the lyrics, is that that song, instead of coming from a place, a kind of arrogant place of assumption and assertion, instead it asks some questions, right? It kind of gets down on Mary's level, kind of empathizes with her, sees her as human, and recognizes the fact that there are definitely things that Mary didn't know, definitely questions that Mary must have had about this baby boy that she was going to birth. And so tonight, I want to just take a look at what Scripture actually tells us about Mary, uh, and 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 also just look at the humanity of Mary because I think that there's something in that for us tonight. You guys, good? All right. So Luke chapter one gives us the story that we know so well. The first appearance of Mary, Luke chapter one, starting in verse 26. It says this: in the in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, a virgin named Mary. He was engaged to be, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. 
Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the all-important question, but how can this happen, right? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true, and the angel left her. In this series that you guys have been in and that Pastor Justin has been preaching from, uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and his role in the Christmas story. And I think if we were looking at uh, trying to kind of pinpoint or highlight the Holy Spirit's role in the Christmas story, right, this would be the first place. This is the place that is most obvious to us because it's clearly written here in verse 35. It says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I think sometimes when we think about the Holy Spirit, this is the most obvious aspect of the Holy Spirit, that he's powerful, that he comes in these Gabriel goosebumps moments, right? And so oftentimes, this is the role that we're familiar with. I'm going to talk tonight um, just three points about the Holy Spirit, his role in the Christmas story and also in our life. And the first one is this, that the Holy Spirit plants the seed of promise. Many of us in our lives, we can maybe point to a time where we had an, uh, an event or an experience like Mary when she is visited with the, Abriel, uh, uh, with the angel Gabriel and is given this promise about the Holy Spirit that she will conceive and that she will be the mother of the Son of God. Many of us have had moments like that, although probably you're looking at me like, no, not me, right? I've never been visited by an angel. Um, but many of us, right, have had experiences where we were certain that God was present, Right? That we were certain, we were sure of his existence. Maybe we were sure of his voice. Maybe we were sure of his presence, right? I'm a youth pastor, like I said, and so like Holy Spirit goosebump moments at youth camps and youth conferences, it's kind of like my bread and butter, right? I get the honor and the privilege of wiping your kid's snot off of my sleeves and my shirt, right, after they come down to the altar and ugly cry on me at camp, right? And I love it. I really do. I love it until I look at the snot on my shirt afterwards, right? But, um, but yeah, often, you know, we point to moments like that and, and we think, man, that's a Holy Spirit moment, right? Moments when God, he comes in power and we can feel his presence and we're certain, we're sure that he was there. If maybe you're in this room and you're thinking, well, I can't think of a moment like that in my life where I had goosebumps or, uh, uh, you know, I was healed or, or I felt this overwhelming, overshadowing, powerful presence of, of God and the Holy Spirit. I would say if you're a Christian in this room tonight, all of us have had at least one experience where we were certain 
that the Holy Spirit showed up in some way and made us certain about his existence, right? John chapter 16, verse 8, it says this, And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Whether you've had some crazy cry fest, right, Holy Spirit moment down at the altar, or whether you were just reading your Bible one day and were convicted of your sinfulness and convinced of the righteousness of God. If we're, you're a Christian, you came to a point of certainty about his existence. And if you have, you can thank the Holy Spirit for that, right? That's his job, convicting of us of our sins and pointing to the righteousness, the goodness of God, pointing also to the promises that we have in him. And so as, you know, many of you... <laughs> youth who were at Origins or at camp, right? Uh, many of you heard promises of God speak, spoken over your life. Many of you out there in the congregation, you've heard God speak promises over your life. And even if you've never audibly heard him speak a, a specific or individual promise or calling into your life, we all know that we have that promise of heaven one day, right? And so that's the promise that because of the Holy Spirit's conviction and convincing and revelation that we have, and so Mary, Mary has this overwhelming, powerful, goosebumps moment with the Holy Spirit. And that's one role that the Holy Spirit plays, right? He plants the seed of promise in us. But there's more that the Holy Spirit does than that. The Holy Spirit is also in the process that follows. My second point tonight is this, that the Holy Spirit, he points past the pregnancy, the Holy Spirit points past the pregnancy. Sometimes we forget when we tell this Christmas story, right, that Mary was pregnant. And it's easy, kind of easy to forget because we have in Luke 1 this story of Gabriel coming and giving this great announcement. And then, like, just a few verses later, he arrives, right? There's the fulfillment of the promise, Jesus is born, but we forget all the months of waiting, all the months of pregnancy in between those two points. When my wife um, found out that she was pregnant and she started going to doctor's appointments and stuff like that, she was like livid when she found out that women are actually pregnant with their kids for 10 months, not nine. And she was like, you know, when we found out the due date, she was like, hold on a minute, right? I thought it was nine months or whatever, is it 40 weeks, right? 42 weeks, my wife's was, right? And so, right, there's a long process. Any woman who's been pregnant can tell you that it doesn't, you know, you, you find out that you're pregnant and then it doesn't a few verses later happen, right? That there's uh, some months of waiting in between. And so when we look at the story of Mary, and especially considering the role of the Holy Spirit, if we go straight from the promise to its fulfillment without any consideration of the process in between, we miss valuable lessons for ourselves. One of the things I want to focus on and look at tonight is this verse that maybe you've never noticed before in the story, but in that passage we just read about that visitation Mary gets from Gabriel, she has this altar call, goosebumps, Holy Spirit moment, and then it says, in verse 38, and then the angel left her. Any of us 
who can point to a moment of certainty in our lives where we were certain that God was present. We were certain that God was speaking. We were certain that God was real. Every single one of us can also point to the seasons after. Maybe some, for, for some of you it was the, the exact minute after that moment where you began to doubt where the angel left the room, the goosebumps go down, the hair that's standing on end on on, on your uh, arms falls flat, and all of a sudden, the angels left the room. You were so certain of God's existence. You were so certain of God's promises a second ago, and now you're waiting. Now you're in between. Now you're in the months, in the seasons of pregnancy. The word pregnant, if you look it up in the dictionary, obviously means actually bearing a child, right? But it also means of great meaning or potential. It's synonymous with words like expectation or anticipation. Pregnancy, seasons of pregnancy are all about, spiritually speaking, metaphorically speaking, are are about waiting, about anticipating, of being expectant. And there's joy that comes with that. But there's also a whole lot of other stuff, right? Romans 8, 23, we can go back to there for a second. It says, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. What's it talking about? We wait excited, anticipating the day that we get to be with him forever in heaven. There's a joy that comes with pregnancy. When my wife and I found out that we were pregnant, the very first thing we did was sit on the couch and make a baby board on Pinterest, right? And it was just like a million, we actually, this is embarrassing, but we Googled mixed babies to see uh, what maybe our daughter would look like. um, Because this is, by the way, my daughter, my, not my daughter, my (laughs) wife up here, that's awkward. And um, I love you, Hannah. <laughs> um, right, but we were so excited. We were expecting. We were anticipating. But I love in this verse in Romans 8, in this passage of Scripture, it's almost like a little asterisk next to the word hope. Down here in the parentheses, it says a little later in verse 24, it says, if we already have something, we don't need hope for it. This is the definition of hope. Yeah, hope is excitement and anticipation, but you know what it also is? It's the not having. It's the waiting for. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Can anybody relate to how difficult it can be to wait patiently, to wait confidently, for the promises of God to, to show up, to be fulfilled in your life. A season of pregnancy, it's characterized by confidently knowing, but it's also characterized by not yet having. Any parent who has kids knows that around this time of year, waiting and expectation, it's exciting, but it also is kind of annoying, right? When your kids every single day wake up and they're like, is it Christmas yet? And you're like, no, it's one day less than what I told you it was yesterday, right? There's a restlessness that kind of stirs up in us when we're we're waiting. And so maybe you're in a season of pregnancy tonight. Maybe you're waiting for the fulfillment of the promises of God in your life. And you've got nothing but the weight of waiting to show for it. I want to encourage you tonight that Mary can relate. You know, sometimes... 
when we look at people in Scripture, uh, especially, you know, those people, those characters uh, in, in Scripture that are really famous, I think about David and Abraham and Moses, and in this case, Mary. When we look at people like that, we paint this perfect picture of them, right? And it's, uh, you know, we forget that they're real people. To us, these accounts, these historical accounts and these real people become a fairy tale story, and these become caricatures. And so when the Bible says that Mary was faithful, when it says that she was obedient, when it says that she waited patiently and confidently, right, we tend to paint a picture of her that's perfect. But we forget that Mary was human, and Mary also was pregnant, not only literally, but she was also uncertain. The angel left, and all of a sudden she was full of doubt. She was full of worry. She was full of of fear. How do I know that? Because if you keep reading in the story in Luke chapter 1, it tells us that the very next thing that Mary does is she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, it doesn't say this directly in the text, but what, we, uh, uh, what you learn if you look is that Elizabeth, her cousin, didn't live just down the street, right? Elizabeth lived nearly 100 miles away. And so for Mary to pick up and go visit her cousin Elizabeth, it wasn't like, you know, some walk, some stroll down the street. It was a journey. For us, 100 miles is like, you know, that's, we can hop in our cars and go down 64 and it's no big deal. But back then, it would have taken days for her to get there on foot, maybe on animal, right? But it would have taken her days. I can't, you know, I've been many places, been to the Dominican Republic on a missions trip, Mexico, right? I've been many places. I've never spent three days traveling anywhere, right? I can't think of any place worth that, right? And so that's how serious Mary is. She packs up all of her stuff. She says, I'm committing these three days to go and get to my cousin Elizabeth. And why does she do it? It wasn't because she was excited to tell Elizabeth the news. You want to know the reason why? So they didn't have Dollar Trees back then with, uh, you know, pregnancy tests. They sell them there, if you didn't know, cases of emergency. But, um, right, like they didn't have... A corner store back there where you can, back then when you can pick up a, a pregnancy test, right? And so I love when Gabriel comes in Luke chapter 1 and he tells her, you will conceive, you will give birth to the Son of God. He also leaves a little breadcrumb of proof, a pregnancy test, if you will, right? He says, well, and also your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant. She's six months pregnant. And Mary knew if Elizabeth is pregnant, she's old, y'all, like too old to have kids. And not only that, but she's been barren her whole life. So Mary knows if Elizabeth is pregnant, then that means, then so could I. I could be too, right? Now I can believe the promise of God. We imagine that Mary was faithful and obedient, which she was, but we forget that Mary was also full of doubt, worry, fear, uncertainty. And so she travels. She makes this trek all the way to see her cousin Elizabeth, And the Holy Spirit responds by prophesying through Elizabeth. And I I did some listening of your podcast um, in this series, and I love how Pastor Justin was talking about, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and uh, specifically the gift of prophecy. Oftentimes we think of prophecy as, um, 
you know, a foretelling or a fortune telling, but it's really a forth telling, right? It's meant to propel us into our work or our calling and our purpose. And so when Mary arrives, she doesn't even say anything to Elizabeth. She passes the threshold of the door and Elizabeth launches into a prophecy. And this is, this is what she says, Luke chapter 1, verse 41. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. I love that line because You know, for three days, I can imagine Mary just running over and over in her head as she's traveling to see her cousin Elizabeth. How dumb am I going to look if I show up to her house and she's not even pregnant? How dumb am I going to look when I show up? She's going to be like, Mary, why did you come all of this way? And Mary maybe beating herself up. Why didn't I believe God? But she passes the threshold, says hi to Elizabeth. And all of a sudden, Elizabeth, really the Holy Spirit encourages her and says, you are blessed because you believed. I want to encourage you tonight, if maybe you are in a season of waiting on the promises of God, and maybe you're wrestling with questions, maybe you have some doubt, maybe you're experiencing some uncertainty, and maybe that's caused you to kind of pull away from God with shame. I want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit, what part of what he does is to fill us with hope in those seasons, to prophesy into our lives, point past the, the, the present feeling, the present season of pregnancy, and, and point to the promise to fill us again with hope. The feelings of doubt or worry or uncertainty that you feel, they don't disqualify your faith. What they do is they cause you to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, 23, we read earlier, it says, we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. You want to know what the Holy Spirit does? Is he fills us in seasons of waiting for a promise to come with hope, with hope. When there is no proof, when there is no reason to hope, he fills us with hope. So the Holy Spirit, he plants the seed of promise. He points past the pregnancy. And the Holy Spirit is also present in our pain. So in the same way, We tend to eliminate Mary's pregnancy from the story of Christ's conception. We also tend to eliminate Mary's pain from the story of Christ's birth. And we have kind of good reason for that if we look at Luke chapter 2. This is what we got, right? This is the story of of Jesus being born. Luke 2, 6 through 7, it says, And while they were there, Mary and Joseph, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no, long, no lodging available for them. There's no mention in that passage in those two itty-bitty verses about the pain that Mary must have felt in labor. But we know any woman in here who has given labor can tell you it's painful. <laughs> and, and there's no one... Um, who's given birth that's not experienced that pain, right? And so we can be certain, right? Even at the moment that Mary's promise was fulfilled in the birth of Christ, that she experienced pain in that labor. 
And just as we can be sure that Mary experienced pain, we can also be sure that the Holy Spirit was present. How? Because in Romans 8, 22 and 23, it says, For we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And we believers, we also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. What the Bible promises to us and what we know about the Holy Spirit and can say confidently is that in seasons of pain, the Holy Spirit is present. In seasons of pain, the Holy Spirit is present. Um, when it came time for our daughter, Selah, to be born, um, I'm not going to lie, maybe some other men in the room can relate, but I felt utterly useless in the room, right? My wife was doing all of the work, laboring for hours upon hours, and I, there was nothing I could do to help, right? I couldn't bear the burden of that. I couldn't bear the pain of that, but I was present. And, uh, and so uh, my presence, I didn't think amounted to much, especially because I, I nearly fainted. I won't tell you the whole story, but at one point, a nurse, you know, looks at me and she says, do you want to sit down? And I say, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. She goes, no, you, you want to sit down because <laughs> we don't have time for nurses to be picking you up off the floor. Like, you got to sit down, right? And so I, it did. It took me some time to kind of to pull myself together, and I'm beating myself up like, what? Pull it together, man, right? Like, you're just watching. She's doing all the work, and you nearly passed out, right? And so I felt a little insecure about that, but I remember afterwards my wife just encouraging me <laughs> and saying, not nah, she didn't mean to, but you did. Thank you. <laughs> But just saying, man, like, I'm, I'm so glad that you were there, and uh, it was so important that you were. And she said, in that particular moment, I knew in that moment that you understood the weight of the moment. Like, I knew in that moment you understood the severity, you understood the seriousness of what was happening, right? And it meant the world to her, although I couldn't labor for her, although I couldn't take the pain away, it meant the world to her that I was present, I want to encourage you tonight that if you are in a season of pain, maybe you're in here and you're thinking, I'm not worried about the promises of God. I'm not even, I'm not thinking about heaven. I'm not thinking about my callings in life because I've got so much pain right now, right? Maybe it's anxiety, depression, maybe it's physical pain, maybe it's a, uh, a diagnosis of you or a family member, maybe it's, it's a rift in relationships, right? But you're thinking promises, I'm, I'm in a season of pain. I want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit is present. That's the promise he makes to us, and that's one of the roles he plays. And unlike me, in that delivery room on that day my wife was in labor, the Holy Spirit is not useless, right? He can do many things, and he has the same power as God the Father and Christ the Son because they are one, right? But so often the gift he chooses to give us in our seasons of pain is just simply his presence. That might not sound like much, but when you consider that he's our helper, right, that he's our advocate, that he's our comforter, that he's our guide, that he's our coach, you understand that's, that's more than enough. Like my wife said to me, I was, I'm just so glad you were present. Sometimes in moments and in seasons like this, it's not the overshadowing, powerful presence of God that comes in the room like when Mary heard about the promise. Sometimes it's just 
the comforter, whispering in our ear. The Holy Spirit is present in the delivery room, but one thing, and just two things really quickly I want to kind of talk to you about in these seasons of pain and his role is that even in those seasons, he's present and he's all those things, but he does not labor for us. Romans 5, verses 3 through 4, 3 through 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You know, sometimes I think the Holy Spirit, he doesn't labor for us because he looks at us, and we're in a season of trial, we're in a season of tribulation, and we're like, why can't you just take this away? Why can't you just do this for me? Why can't you just remove the circumstance, remove the situation? But he's looking and he knows that these trials, these tribulations, they develop endurance. And they develop character. And they develop hope. And through this process, he knows, Romans 8, 28, that all things are working together for our good, right? He knows that. He sees that. And so he's there to coach us, comfort us, guide us, encourage us through those seasons, but not labor for us. And I love that the Holy Spirit, he doesn't, he's not glib about it. He's present and he's not that husband in the room that's like, remember what we learned in Lamaze, right? <laughs> you should breathe and you should count to 10 or whatever it is. We didn't do Lamaze. You can obviously tell, right? He wasn't, a, he wasn't arrogant. He isn't arrogant in seasons of pain when we're going through the process because this is what it says in verse 5. And the hope that he gives us, this process gives us, it will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us, even as we sang tonight, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The Holy Spirit, he may not labor for us, but he is present with us in the completeness of, of God's love. And not only is the Holy Spirit present, but he groans with us. Romans 8, 22, we've already read tonight, but all of creation groans in anticipation, waiting for the promise of heaven. And then in verse 26, to match our groaning, this is what it says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. How? How? Not with eloquent speeches, but with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. The Holy Spirit, God, he could be distant from us, seeing the end result of our present trials, present tribulation, present struggle, present sin, present suffering. But it says that he's so close to us, can so relate to us, so empathizes with us, that when we groan, he groans. I love Pastor Justin, he was going through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is one, encouraging hope in us. But another gift of the Holy Spirit is spiritual language, is what we call it here. Some churches call it spiritual tongues, right? Spiritual language uh, or prayer language, right? And I don't know about you, for me, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I have a prayer language. And I know in the, the darkest moments of my life, moments when the the Emotions that I feel are so intense. I felt the Holy Spirit literally praying through me for me. My brother a few years ago was shot in the middle of the night at home. And I remember getting the call and we 
jumped into the car and my wife, you know, was driving us there, praying the whole time. And I was just weeping the whole time. Didn't know if he was going to live or not. And it was all I could do to pray in the spirit because I had no words. It was literally the Holy Spirit groaning on my behalf. Doesn't even take just deep moments like that. Sometimes it's just moments of intense emotion. I had a moment this week where I was just frustrated. I was angry. And I I went to go pray. And I was like, you know what, God? I don't even have the words to say, right? And so the Holy Spirit just bubbled up inside of me, right? And, And prayed a prayer on my behalf. Isn't it so good that we serve a God, we know a God who isn't just present, but he's present in love. And he's able to empathize with us in our moments of deepest pain. I want to invite the the worship band to come up tonight, and we're going to close in a song. One of the coolest things about that moment that Mary crosses the threshold and Elizabeth prophesies over her life, it says the very next thing that Mary does is she just, she sings a song of worship. And in that song, it says something to the effect of, Mary says, um, I used to be, you know, this lowly servant, but now I will be blessed by all people. I love that her, her song of worship put in the present tense the promise that God spoke into her. The fact of the matter was she was still a lowly servant. She was still nothing to the people around her, probably even worse off now because she was pregnant out of wedlock. But it says she burst into a song of worship because the Holy Spirit was present and he filled her heart with hope. As we go back into this song tonight, I just want to encourage you, if you are in a season of pregnancy, season of waiting and longing for God to step in, for God to show up, I want to encourage you, don't withhold your worship. Don't withhold your questions. Don't try to hide your uncertainty from God. He's here and he can handle it. The Holy Spirit specifically can prophesy into your your situation and point past your season of waiting. I want to encourage you tonight, if you're in here, and you're sitting in a season of pain, to not hold back your worship, but to know that the Holy Spirit is present and he groans with you and he even loves you in this season and in this moment. Just as they play, I invite you to stand and let's worship together.